0: Hi, and welcome to the Rostrum Agency Managing Reputational Risk podcast with me, Grant Bazer. In this series of podcasts, I'll be discussing crisis and reputation management from a public relations and media perspective. I'll take a look at the definition of a crisis, what it feels like to be engulfed in a media storm, the role of a crisis communications team, and what steps businesses and individuals can take to minimize media exposure around reputational risk. Each episode, I'll be joined by guests who will give their unique insight into managing reputational risk. And of course, I'll give my take from a PR perspective. Having started my career as a journalist before becoming a company spokesperson and PR professional, I've seen all angles of a crisis. So join me and my guests as we delve into the issues that play into managing reputational risk. For today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Miller, founder and CEO of Miller Inc., a US-based consultancy. Before founding Miller Inc, Nathan was a Director of Speech Writing for Israel's Permanent Mission to the United Nations, serving as a Senior Communications Advisor and a Chief Speech Writer for Israeli Ambassador Ron Prosser. Nathan also served as the Policy Director of the Homeland Security Advisory Council. During his career, he's helped numerous firms tackle negative reputational events. So Nathan, thank you so much for, for joining me. So to start the, the podcast, it's a question I ask every single guest. How do you define a crisis?
1: Well, it's so great to be here, Grant. Thank you for thank you for having me. A crisis is anything facing an organization that uh, that's unplanned that creates some sort of reputational risk for the organization or the individual. You know, the 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 challenging thing about crisis is it, it's sort of we're hardwired to have a an emotional sort of fight or flight response to a crisis, and our our body kicks in in a certain way, which makes it hard sometimes to be. Totally rational and, and make the best decision we can. I often i i, I describe a crisis as if, imagine making a decision if you were driving 100 miles an hour down the freeway, um, waving in and out of traffic, smoking a cigar, and that would be you know the equivalent of of uh, what it feels like. You know, how how would you make a decision in that moment? And that's that's sometimes up to how it is when you when you're dealing with a crisis for clients. So so that hence hence the job we all have
0: absolutely yeah it is that that panic the the eye of the storm and everything going on around you so you need people like us to to bring calm to the confusion and the uncertainty right. um so tell me a little bit about about your career and, and some of the crises that you've you've helped come to to manage
1: i've been in this business almost 20 years i spent uh the beginning of my career working at the intersection of public policy politics and comms i worked in local politics in LA. I spent some time in Washington, DC working on, on national policy here in the US. I lived in Brussels for, for a stint and worked at a think tank there working on EU Middle East policy. And then I spent three years uh, as the chief speechwriter and communications director for Israel's permanent mission to the United Nations. And if anyone knows anything about the dynamics of the UN, Israel's not exactly the most popular country there. So that was sort of a you know, and, and, and you know, Israel exists in the Middle East, so it was it was pretty much a permanent state of crisis we faced. I, would, I was there during the outbreak of the Arab Spring, two wars, the Palestinians' UN statehood bid, among other, uh, you know, the, the outbreak of the Civil War in Syria, lots of different things where we, we were at the center of the storm in many ways. And so I think that honed my skill set. And then in 2013, I left that job and started our agency. We are headquartered in LA. We're not exclusively a crisis firm. We also, we, you know, we work in a number of other verticals, technology, public affairs, nonprofit, advocacy. Um, but our crisis team, which I lead personally, is a big, big chunk of our business. And it's what we, you know, one of the things we've really become known for over the years.
0: And and on that, you know, one of the things I'm seeing for, for the clients that I deal with and the inquiries we get is usually clients and organisations coming to us when they have a crisis, um, and I'm always advocating for the the planning and the preparation that you should be doing beforehand. Are you seeing the same thing? Uh, absolutely. It's that is also sort of a, a natural
1: thing. You know, there's a, there was a, when I was um, when I was at the UN, I, I heard a the State Department diplomat. Uh, once from the us said um you know it's 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 human nature that the that that they only bring in the comms people for the crash landings and not for the takeoffs and that's a problem and i like that as a description for for this it's it's really important that often by the time if you only after the mess has been created it's the you're you're freedom of movement your ability to make a difference is greatly diminished often not always but often and so that's one thing and and then the other thing is when if you don't if you don't have a plan in place and we can talk about this more what is it what is it what does crisis planning really look like it allows you to avoid making that decision and organizing your response you know what are the policies and procedures you're going to follow who's the spokesperson who what's the decision making process um, if you're organizing that process, when you're swerving in and out of traffic on the freeway, smoking a cigar, it's much much harder to make decisions quickly and cogently. And so, absolutely, you need to you need to make that preparation ahead of time to just tee yourself up for success.
0: Absolutely. Do you think enough organizations think like that? Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, especially
1: this, you know, small organizations in larger corporate organizations. Sometimes have the have the wherewithal and and the planning to sort of think about this, and it, it falls under different buckets. But um, I would say very very few do adequate preparation. Make you know make adequate preparation to to set themselves up for success in the event that they face an inevitable, and obvious, and predictable crisis. And I know that sounds like kind of like an oxymoron, but it's true. But so many of the crises that we see, if you had gone through a crisis planning process ahead of time, you would have been able to foresee that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Something that we say, you know, you could say any organization can come through the door and you can say a crisis that you should be prepared for is a data breach. It's a cyber attack. And there are so many organizations that that haven't got those plans and processes in place, haven't got things like, you know, get your media, um, make sure your spokesperson is media trained and then make it sure it's a CTO for a data breach or a cyber attack. And if it is, your CTO is going to be responsible. Make sure they can talk in plain English. Um, not use all the jargon and the complexities that they come around with it so there are all of those parts that in the business as usual framework when it's nice and calm you've got the time to go right let's set that sit down and really think about it but as you said in a crisis it's like right that person is there at the front at the door they'll do they can go on the media or they can they can sign this off where that is just not the right approach so so to to the question that, that you asked yourself really so what what makes a good crisis communications plan?
1: A good crisis communications plan so it's specific. what we do is we take the time to imagine all of the different likely scenarios Now you're not just doing everything that could happen you know you, you don't need a crisis plan for if a you know if a UFO strikes your building here or you know to use an extreme example yeah. you want to think about three or four or five or six, Most likely, most predictable crises, and build out a protocol as to what what will the organization's response be. Who are the key decision makers on what you need to do? What information will you need to gather? Who will speak on behalf of the organization? What is the internal and external communication that needs to happen? You know, those are sort of the basket of issues. And then you want to look and and think ahead of time: Are there things that we can do? Trainings we can complete. um, Tabletop exercises we can run. Other things to close the gap to make it less bad or, or less stressful in the event that a crisis strikes. So things that we think about, like we, we look at any if someone's a public facing organization or or even just an organization where, the, you know, anyone who might receive an inquiry, an external inquiry, whether that's someone who's an assistant secretary sitting, in, you know, at a desk, a, so someone who's at a retail location or anyone who might have contact with the public. Um, we do a very quick training for them. It's a very simple, what do you do in the event that a reporter calls or comes or shows up? And, you know, when we give them a simple script, you know, I'm not an authorized spokesperson. Um, I will take down your information, um, uh, you know, take down their information, get the, you know, we'll get back to you. And and then we create a dedicated email address that forwards to us as the crisis manager and to the client so that anyone externally, whether it's an organization of five people or 5,000 people, have a plan in place and we we make sure that that is built into the employee handbook and the training is refreshed every year so often this is a this is a chink in our armor you know the media inquiry comes in to a general email address and nobody checks it or they show up at a location and the person says oh that was kind of weird a reporter was here and nobody hears about it and the story gets written there's no comment or even worse and this has happened to me more than once um they show up and the guy at the front just says oh yeah I'll give my comment I'll give my opinion yeah. <laughs> um and they end up on the nightly news or in the newspaper you know quoted on behalf of the organization um and nobody told them not to so why not um and this happens you know more than you would think so it's really important that you do those kinds of training ahead of time and then for the people who are you know going to be who are more high level you know, in leadership, if they're going to be interviewed during a crisis, they should be media trading before they have to go on TV. Absolutely. You know, before the crisis strikes, and that's another really important thing that that should happen. You know, before the crisis.
0: Yeah, you've you brought up two really interesting points there. That that accidental spokesperson is is one that I go on about a lot as well with clients. So much like you, I do training with clients, and at once a quarter for some of the clients, I give. A call into the, the reception and you know, play out, see if they respond to the script. Um, and if not, you know, I, that gets escalated. The other part was that, that leadership function. Um, and I wanted to ask, do you think there's enough buy-in from from leadership around crisis comms? I, you know, there's incidents of cyber attacks, data breaches, and, and other uh, executive misconduct and other crisis events on the in the newspapers every single day do you think executives are now waking up to it uh, and being more proactive than they were
1: i think that's certain that maybe is the trend but certainly not enough i do think we sort of live in an era where crises materialize quicker and the communication surrounding them becomes more complicated you know and more intense just because of social media because of the nature of how of this new sort of news media where you have a lot more long tail outlets and people who are I would say pseudo reporters almost you know not quite just sort of the expectations that I think it's certainly true in the U.S. and probably true in the U.K. as well of the sort of people we're in an era I think of quicker outrage (laughs) and you know people feel uh, you know that they're they're quick to get upset about things and They want answers and they're less satisfied with just an apology. You know, the the conventionalism used to be just apologize, get ahead of it and move on. Um, It doesn't work as much anymore. It's not to say that you shouldn't necessarily do that. But, you know, people aren't just going to take you at your word anymore in the same kind of way, you know. And then also, I think there's an asymmetry because of the nature of communications and the Twitter mob and everything else. I think executives can feel like they're under siege in a way. And maybe they just hear the loudest voices. And you know, it, it creates this this real siege mentality. And so, for all of those reasons, I do think people are beginning to take this more seriously. But in some ways, we're, they're 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 less prepared because of the, the shifts in the communications environment and the way things are today than they than they've ever been before. And sort of the conventional wisdom around leadership and communications and crises doesn't always apply in the same way that it once did.
0: No, it's a lot easier to find. The negatives now uh that and the negatives you know come to you straight through your, your twitter feeds um we've seen numerous stories here in the uk and i'm sure it's the same in the us where a consumer will have an issue with a with an organization or with a product and they will you know, directly tweet that organization and say i've got an issue with this product but they'll also include a journalist in that tweet and if that yep. journalist gets Ten, fifteen similar tweets about this organization well, the journalist hasn't had to do much work at all so the story has come to them, so it's all about as an organization understanding where your audience is, monitoring where the mentions are, and also monitoring where where you might not have a profile. so you know most organizations will likely be on twitter on on LinkedIn. they may not be on Reddit, but yep. they should definitely be be monitoring those channels where how do you go about the the monitoring for your clients and and making sure that any any mentions are are noticed?
1: it's a great it's a great question um we use a lot of different tools you know there's we have we have media monitoring and we have social media listening uh, we have a few different tools that we work with I'm actually i recently joined the board of a company which is a fintech company that just does there's very, very supercharged monitoring for publicly traded companies. It's called Koyos, you know, in the wake of GameStop and some of those other things where you saw a lot of uh, manipulation of stocks using Reddit and social media and other things. And so those small cap companies, especially, I mean, every company that's publicly traded has, has that challenge. But small cap companies in particular where, you know, the volume is low and you can use social media to really move stocks. So we've used the Koyos technology for a lot of our clients. Um who are either on the investment side trying to understand where their portfolio is or or who are publicly traded themselves which is a cool new product that we've we've seen but you know in addition to that we have we, we use a full suite of different tools depending on the nature of the engagement and the client and you know we spend a lot of money on technology i think it's really important to have access to the latest tools and um it gives you a, 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 an advantage in the market
0: absolutely and and on that note are you using ai for for your crisis comes approach. We,
1: we we use it in some ways, although um, I have an op-ed I'm pitching around now about sort of the 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 limits of AI and w- what it's great at and um, what it's going to mean for the communications professional. So I we always test and see, you know, could AI be helpful for this? We had a situation the other day where we needed to quickly sort through a lot of information um, to understand if. Basically, we had to we had to sort through this public data to sort out the family foundations from the public corporate foundations of a list of, I think it was fifty thousand names or something, uh-huh. and it would have taken an intern or even you know a data. Uh, we sometimes will use, will outsource people who are research specialists on you know through some of the platforms like overseas and, but even then it would have taken days and it would have cost like real money. Yeah, um, and we found an AI program that did it, and you know. 20 minutes so that was great and we've used it for some some research projects but it is, but it is limited and i think what's really amusing you know on, you know on the one hand i always love to be able to ask someone to, to to paint a picture in the you know andy warhol style of my dog and my child and you know put them together yep. in dialogue it's pretty it's pretty cool that you can just do that and it shows up and you know um sometimes the laugh is all it is and like to be able to use it more constructively i think i think there's there's challenges and and you have to be very good at prompting and understanding how to how to actually use the tools themselves and and understand where they're limited now and then we've worked really hard with our team on training what are the limits of ai and if you just ask, ask it to write a press release and assume it's going to be okay you're mistaken and 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 it's not it's not there yet i no, will say fine. I mean, it's it's good at giving you a below average product, which is unfortunately where, I don't know the state of the PR industry in the UK, but that's kind of, you know, the average press, press release that goes out in America today probably is no better than your press release that will get generated uh-huh. by ChatGPT. I mean, even in our, I, I had ChatGPT do the exercise that we, the entry level exercise for folks that are going to be interns or junior associates at our firm. You know, we weed out probably ninety-five percent of people through that exercise, and ChatGPT probably performed at least as well as fifty. You know, the bottom fifty percent. Uh, so uh, we're still—it's still not there to be adequate for what I think is professional and high-level in the market. But it's below average, certainly. You know, you know, delivering at that level, which is interesting and very different from when, obviously, when when I started in the field.
0: I've I've done a lot of research in this space as well, and it is good as a as a basis as long as it's not the final thing um, you've seen a number of organizations use it. And literally you could tell that their response to crises are ChatGPT. GPT said, this has happened write me a statement and they've copied and pasted that and sent that out. And you think that, yeah, very clearly not, not a human. Um, <laughs> and they've, you know, the backlash has, has been even more because they've said, well, you've had a crisis and you can't even be bothered to give it the time to respond humanly. Um, So that extends the life of a crisis, which is, um, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't believe that organizations are doing that. But AI is something that I think is going to be really interesting in in all parts of the uh, PR industry. I think the crisis comes it, like, like you said, there are definitely opportunities, but also massive challenges for organizations, you know, the opportunity and just mimicking other people's voices and and things like that, the the opportunities for bad actors to use it is just going to grow and grow. So organizations need to be fully aware of, of those risks and, and be mindful of them and probably have it in their, in their crisis communications plans. Absolutely. No, I, I think it's, I don't know if stranger things on ne-
1: that Netflix show was a big, was was popular in, in the UK. It was very popular here about five, six years ago, you know, and in the, in the, the premise of stranger things is it's in the nineteen 19- it's like the early 1980s and the U.S. is still in a Cold War with the Soviet Union and there's these, and there's this basically portal that they're both accessing and that portal is called the Upside Down. And yeah, the Upside of that, Down is yeah. kind of this grotesque world where people are sort of, they're manipulating that world and whatever happens to the Upside Down gets reflected in our real world and we sort of see it. Um, there's, it's an allegory of, you know, there's others... That that have you know, but we, but I often say our work is understanding how to operate in the upside down and sort of because there's so many things that happen beneath the surface that are um, that my mother-in-law, for instance, has no idea what's going on. She reads the newspaper and understands and believes that you know that's just the 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 she doesn't she doesn't understand the sausage that's made. And I read it, you know, yeah. I guess I've been forever. The, the pleasure of just reading a story and assuming it is what it is, 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 you know, has been taken away from me. But I look at a story and I understand what, what interests were behind this here. What is this paper? What is their agenda? You know, wh- why is this drive driven in the way that it is? Or I look at a social media chat or but most people who don't work in our space can't can't look and analyze things in that way. And I think the upside down has gotten, you know, more and more important and more and more complex in the la- in, in the span of the last 10 years or so. And I think AI is going to make that exponentially true. And I see it so much in terms of bots and, you know, inauthentic activity on social media, and you know, in the creation of fake news sites and um, different influence campaigns that are that are frankly pretty scary. And. It's not just extends far beyond you know Russian interference and your elections or our elections. It's businesses are doing the same thing to fight each other or disgruntled people who are in disputes are are using it. And I've I've seen things that at fairly low cost people can can use the tools of communication today to to run their own sort of nefarious influence campaign. And it's 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 very interesting to see. Um, So you need to understand that, be able to respond to it, and and have professionals around you can use your own those same tools to help safeguard your interests and, and and disaggregate, you know, some the what's really going on.
0: Absolutely. And that's why you know, organizations need need the likes of, of you and me, the the experts, yeah. to come in and, and be those those people that are away from the noise and aren't that group thinks that can take hold, especially in a crisis for an organization, if they're all in that same organization, it needs that outside person to come in and say, actually we think you should do it differently or a competitor of yours has had something similar and done it this way, didn't go so well for them or went really well, here are our thoughts and suggestions. Having that external counsel can go a really long way to give that different opinion that they they may not hear, especially for the the big companies with maybe a very vocal um, executive team who have a lot of kind of yes yes people around them. I guess it takes a bit of... um, the balls from the communications team to say we're bringing in someone external that's going to, going to give it to you straight, but uh, uh, that has to be the way surely. I, I
1: want to, we give a series of quotes around our office. And one of them is yes, men will bury you in a crisis. And I think <laughs> they really will. We've done a lot of Hollywood stuff here and that's also the dynamic there. We will get someone famous or big in entertainment. Who's got, um, they're just used to having a team who's, you know, primary role in life is to make this other person feel you know good and soothed and everything else and if you just have someone telling you you know trying to make you feel better in that moment as opposed to trying to give you honest feedback about how to safeguard your future it's 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 really unhelpful sometimes
0: absolutely yeah and it's not just about for all the organizations that are working i'm sure it's it's the same for you it's not just about that moment it's about how do you come out of it better and how do you make sure it doesn't happen again whereas of course for that organization or individual that's in a crisis it's all about the immediacy help me get out of what I'm stuck in now Um, so again it goes back I think to that planning during business as usual to make sure that they know they've got a roadmap for this is how we deal with the most likely situations and once that situation is over these are the steps you then take to Hopefully, ensure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Uh, and on on that note, it can, can bring me nearly to the, to the end of our conversation. But I just wondered, is, do you think on a there's a crisis communications plan that we've talked about, but is there a good number of people for the crisis communications team? Yeah, that's a good question.
1: I think it's important that you have at least one person internally tasked with this specific function for a bigger organization that will grow. Obviously, when you have more resources, it's good. Um, and I think it's important to have an agency ahead of time picked out. You don't want to do this always all internally. Even if you're a big organization, it's it's there's there's a value that an external agency can provide in terms of how you engage with the press, or and also providing external feedback that it's hard when you're inside an organization that just politically you can't you know, sometimes always accomplish. I think that's there's a lot of reasons why you want to have an external agency to manage a crisis. So I would say at least one. Pr- yeah. sometimes more and and you want to have an external partner picked out you know ready to go so you're not making that decision in the midst of a, of a crisis when Absolutely. when it's much harder to, to get consensus and and just you know the delays you know hours can really make a difference in terms of your response
0: yeah you don't you don't want the agency to be playing catch-up and having to understand about the intricacies of the business um, exactly you you want them to be ready to go know exactly who the people to turn to are who the decision makers are who the spokespeople are ahead of time um, you don't want them to be spending the first two days of a crisis trying to go back through your website and and understand who they can turn to who they can rely on absolutely and um brings me to my to my last question which is um what one thing would you suggest to organizations to help them to, to mitigate and and minimize their exposure to potential crisis events?
1: So my, my very, my tactical piece of advice, which I make every, you know, uh, actually, let me give you, let me give you a tactical and then I'm going to give you more a philosophical. So tactically, I think you've got to train your spokespeople, prepare all your people for public facing inquiries, which we talked about, Get your cyber house in order, make sure that your digital security is there. Um, and I also I, I like to to do Oppo research on myself. Know what's out there in the public domain, know what the what people are going to find about you that exists online. So you so you, so you have some self-awareness. And you know, in some cases you can take that stuff offline and 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 make sure for individuals who are high profile, remove your personally identifiable information. From the internet, it's a bigger issue in the U.S. than it is in the UK because you guys have much better laws around that. Yeah. But your data is out there, and you don't you don't want people necessarily to be able to find find you. My bigger philosophical piece of advice is in a crisis, it's important to, to not just think about what you want to say, but think about what they're going to hear. And too often, people just they believe that they can they can really control the way the world sees something, and that's just not the case. And so you have to. Bring people around you you know and get yourself in the right mindset so that you can speak in a way that people will understand you will believe you and imagine how your how your message is going to land more broadly in the with the public or whoever your target audience is and so often i see that there's a gap and that there's wishful thinking or there's this there's a sense of wanting to control and and you have to give that up and understand that the world is what it is and you're gonna you're gonna succeed or fail based on you know, how accurately you understand your target audience and speak to them in a way that they're going to really be able to resonate with and understand your message.
0: That is a great message and a great one to end the podcast with. Thank you so much, Greg. This is a Rostrum Agency production produced, mixed and edited by Rostrum. Rostrum is a full service communications agency offering PR, content and influencer marketing, social media, training, design, and much more. Rostrum is among the UK's top 5 B2B agencies and a PR Week top 100 agency, specialising in financial services, professional services, consumer and corporate campaigns, as well as crisis management, content marketing, and social media. Rostrum creates campaigns and content to help clients punch above their weight. Rostrum measures everything it does delivering exceptional value for clients' budgets. To find out more, search rostrum.agency. This is a Rostrum Agency production produced, mixed and edited by Rostrum. Rostrum is a full service communications agency offering PR, content and influencer marketing, social media, training, design and much more. Rostrum is among the UK's top 5 B2B agencies and a PR Week top 100 agency specialising in financial services, professional services, consumer and corporate campaigns as well as crisis management, content marketing and social media. Rostrum creates campaigns and content to help clients punch above their weight. Rostrum measures everything it does delivering exceptional value for clients' budgets. To find out more search rostrum.agency